Welcome to this special edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. It's an open forum, and it's your time to call with your questions about the Bible, biblical teachings, and practical Christian living. Whatever's on your mind, call 631-955-5400 to be on the program, or text your question to Pastor Bill at 516-367-0391. Now, here's your host for today's open forum, Pastor Bill And this is Pastor Bill Shishko here with you today for our open forum. This is your opportunity to make the program or at least help make the program with your live call-in questions at 631-955-5400. Jot the number down, 631-955-5400. Or you can text your questions anytime during the week as we put together future programs, any of your questions that you'd like dealt with on the open forum of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Text questions only, 516-367-0391. Today, And in the weeks ahead, I'd like to reflect with you on the coming into the world of the God-man, Jesus Christ, and what we celebrate in a special way in the Christmas season. Today, let's give some thought to the world into which Christ came. My guest pastor for this week is Dr. Alan Strange, one of the associate pastors of New Covenant Community Church, a congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Joliet, Illinois. And Dr. Strange is also professor of church history at Mid-America Reformed Seminary. And one of the courses that he teaches is ancient church history. So he's an ideal man to talk with us about the world into which Christ came over 2,000 years ago. Pastor Dr. Strange, welcome to a visit to the pastor's study. Thank you so much, Bill. It's great to be with you. Great to be with you as well, Dr. Strange. Let's dive in. The world into which Christ came, what was it like? Well, in the beginning, Bill, it was great. God (laughs) made everything very good, but Adam and we in and with him really blew it failing to love and trust the God who did nothing but love us. But there in the garden, right after Adam's fall into sin, God promised to send one to save us. And so for many centuries, the world lay in darkness, waiting for the light of the world to come, waiting for the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yeah, what was that darkness like? Well, the, uh, the world of the Roman Empire... That was the world in which Jesus was born. He was born in Israel, but the Roman Empire was dominating everything. And that was far worse than many of us know. It was a world of cruel oppression. Forty to 50 percent were slaves, and this slavery often involved significant sexual abuse. It, it, It was a world in which, for sport, men killed one another in front of huge crowds. There was no sense of the value of human life. Unwanted babies were just left by the side of the road to die. It's it's not a pretty picture, Bill. Yeah, it, it's... I just... One of the statements I read in preparing for the program was for, by Seneca, which, as you know, is a one that mm-hmm. lived in the first century. Uh, and he said, the world is writing of his own day, the world is full of crimes and vices. More are committed than can be cured by force. There is an immense struggle for iniquity. Crimes are, are no longer hidden, but open before the eyes. Innocence is not only rare, but nowhere. I mean, was that an overstatement? 
No, I don't think so. I mean, we can relate in our day. We know things are bad, but we tend to think the good old days were good. It makes me think of a book. Uh, the good old days were really pretty rotten <laughs> because, as I said, ever since that fall, we've been blowing it. But that's why Jesus came, to save us, the, the that old world and this world now. You mentioned the, the human life. I mean, in our, in our culture, we're kind of a culture of contradictions, I guess. On the one hand, uh, basically, whatever people want to do, we want to acknowledge that and, and esteem people because of uh, by their race and so on. And yet, on the other hand, we'll, we'll kill babies. Uh, what, what, was, what was the view of life like in, in the first century? Bill, it was extraordinarily cheap. Um. The, 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 the Christian church went out preaching Jesus and the resurrection, and it impacted that world of the day in this way particular, that Roman disregard for human life that we're talking about. As Christians went out and preached the gospel, gave way as folks were converted, and they came to understand what it meant to be not just an individual, but a person. There was no understanding of personhood properly before Jesus Christ and the Christian faith came into the picture, because it's in those early centuries of the Church that there's this big conversation surrounding the three persons of what we call the Holy Trinity. And we're created in God's image, and so they came to understand in the early Church that the persons in the Godhead are distinct persons, but in one divine essence. That allowed us to properly value the human person, but there was, there was not significant discussion. There was discussion about individuals. You were an individual, but you weren't a person, really. That's something we get from Christian theology. Now, now Dr. Strange, did that, did that come from reflection on the Trinity, which obviously occupied the thinking of Christians for several centuries? Or, or was it? Did it go back to the to the Genesis one account, or, or the actually the Genesis two and then two account and one account that, that God made man in His own image, or was it both? Well, it was both. But Bill, see, the thing is, of course, as you and I know, that reality of Genesis one and two was something that was given primarily to the nation Israel. And so the glory of what happens when Jesus comes is all of this wonderful stuff that Israel had now is given to all the world. <laughs> Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amazing. And he's the light of the world. So, so everything Israel had comes to this blazing fulfillment, and this, the gospel, what we call the good news of Jesus coming, goes global. And, and, you know, people more and more come to trust Christ. And the world changes as a result. It absolutely does. It absolutely does. Yeah, the announcement that, of, yeah, the announcement of the angels, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, not just to Israel. Now, you know that that wasn't that everybody didn't just embrace that. As the church went out to preach this message in the Roman world, they persecuted the church originally. There were about ten major waves of persecution. 
until the conversion of Constantine in 312. And these charges they brought against Christians were, you know, that they were haters of mankind. We've been called haters in recent times, but that's not a new charge. But what happened was by the third century, the middle of that third century, when the emperor Decius issued this empire-wide persecution, and he said, everybody go after the Christians, they're haters. The Christians had gained such a reputation not only for loving each other, but for going out and rescuing those babies left by the side of the road and showing love to people. It didn't fly. People didn't buy it. They said the Christians are some of the nicest people we know, really. And I mean, so so the Roman Empire's own opposition to it began to crumble as people began to see that that wasn't the truth, that this Christian faith remarkably changed people's lives and changed them for the better. Yeah, it's rich with lessons for today, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's our hope. And, you know, we, <laughs> the Reformation had as its motto, after the darkness, light. Well, we're in some darkness, and we're sure praying for that light to come. Right. He has come, but we're praying for that renewal and that revival of that light in the West, especially in Europe and in the Americas. Yeah. In other places, they're getting the gospel. Yeah. Uh, but. It's for the whole world. <laughs> Amen. That's right. Dr. Strange, talk about the understanding of womanhood, if there really was such a thing in the first century. I mean, we're told today that Christianity oppressed women. Uh, how were women treated in, in the world into which Christ came? Well, going back to that slavery thing, the sexual abuse was particularly of women in slavery. And Christianity markedly impacted that. Christianity preached and taught something that the Me Too movement may say, men shouldn't treat women improperly. We've been saying that all along. It's, it's yeah. in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. And that came into the consciousness like never before. So in a sense, if you understand the whole trace through of the history, it's Christianity that really set the plate for a proper treatment of women. It set the plate for understanding that women are made in the image of God as much as men are. That's right in Genesis 1 and 2, and you find right in 1 Timothy 2, 5, that Jesus is the mediator, and the word there is for mankind. He's the mediator for men and women, and we read there's neither male nor female in Christ Jesus. So while he doesn't do away with sexual distinctions, that's an important part of creation. He certainly does save men and women in the same way they need saving. And so really you have in the Christian faith the foundation for a proper and respectful understanding of women. If you just believe in chance evolution, for example, well, the strongest wins, and might makes right. And there's no proper respect of the weak, of women, or of anybody. Yeah, fascinating. Of course, I, I, I love the way Jesus broke the mores of his day by speaking with this woman of dubious reputation in public. Uh, and, and, and the way he, he, would, he would minister to those that were regarded as, as essentially social outcasts among the women. And even the way he, the women who, who were, I guess, am I right, they weren't even regarded as credible witnesses, but, they're, but they are the ones who are the, the first witness of, of the resurrection. Is that right? Absolutely right. There's Mary Magdalene, 
seeing Jesus but not recognizing him and his having just raised from the dead body there's there's some factor there and and she says where have you laid my lord it, she thinks he's the gardener and he says her name mary and she says my lord and she goes and tells the disciples that he's risen from the dead yes it's quite remarkable you find something in the pages of the gospels exactly in terms of what you're just saying that you do not find in seneca in the great greek writers in the great roman writers they had no regard for women in this regard. They considered them as mere property. What, what about slavery? You've also mentioned that, and of course slavery was an institution in the first century. How did Christianity affect that, Dr. Strange? Well, it's interesting. Uh, uh, Kyle Harper, Peter Brown, a number of scholars have addressed that, particularly in more recent years. And the way that it addressed it was to not so much directly, because Christianity wasn't coming to bring a social revolution. If if Jesus or Paul had said, all the slaves must be freed right now, that would, in a sense, have subverted the gospel, and that would have been the message. There would have been no understanding that Jesus came to save us from our sins. It would have just been about a huge revolution. Instead, you get in a book like Philemon, you get Paul talking to a man whose slave has been converted, and Paul urges him, he doesn't command him, he urges him to free this man. So you could say that ultimately the waning of ancient slavery is a consequence of the gospel. It isn't the gospel. The gospel is Christ died to save sinners. But the consequence of the gospel are we want to lead obedient, grateful lives, and part of that is what contributed and a whole host of historians agree with this, to the waning away of slavery, which is why one of the great tragedies of the modern era is the rise of African slavery and the Church's part in that. And that's a great tragedy. But historically, the Church contributed to the waning and the the ending of old Roman slavery. Fascinating. In fact, now even Onesimus was to be regarded by Philemon as as his brother. Isn't that fascinating? Right. Amazing. You can, understand, you can understand why students at Mid-America Reformed Seminary love Pastor Dr. Alan Strange's classes, where he's with us today as we talk about the world into which Christ came. If you'd like to call with your question, 631-955-5400, or the number for texted questions at any time during the week, 516 7-0-3-9-1. And we'll be back with more about the world into which Christ came after this message from the voice of a visit to the pastor's study. A Visit to the Pastor's Study is brought to you each week at this time by the Orthodox Presbyterian Churches in Metropolitan New York and Connecticut. Our local congregations are in East Haddam, Connecticut, that's Harvest Orthodox Presbyterian Church, and in Hamden, Connecticut, that's Westminster Orthodox Presbyterian Church, and the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Mount Vernon, and then also a congregation in Queens and Fresh Meadows, Reformation Presbyterian Church. Here on Long Island, you'll find Orthodox Presbyterian Church 
churches in Franklin Square and in Syosset, that's Trinity Church, and then the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Bohemia, New York. These aren't the only faithful churches in our area, but they're ones that we can commend to you, and we would encourage you to visit them if you don't already have a local church. We also encourage you to visit our website, visitthepastorstudy.org. That's all one word, visitthepastorstudy.org, where you'll find archives of all of the programs and what we call these magazine articles for the ear. Again, that's visitthepastorstudy.org. And I always appreciate your emails. You can email me at visitpastorbill at gmail.com. That's visitpastorbill at gmail.com. Questions you have about the program or about anything else connected with the work, I invite them. And now, back to today's edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study. Pastor Bill Shishko here with you this week, and in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be reflecting on Jesus Christ, the God-man who came into the world over 2,000 years ago. This week, we're looking into the world into which Christ came. My guest is Pastor Dr. Alan Strange, who teaches church history, including ancient church history at Mid-America Reformed Seminary in Dyer, Indiana. If you'd like to ask Pastor Dr. Strange a question about the world into which Christ came live, call in number 63. 919555400 or texted questions anytime 5163670391 pastor dr strange so what did the person and work of jesus christ bring into the world and how did how did that shape the early christian church well bill as we've been saying it shaped the church to make it this vibrant powerful witness into the world. What Jesus brought was lives transformed from being dead in sin to being alive in him. And it brought, as I say here, a church that went out to preach that message with the consequences of that message being these transformed lives, lives that showed his love not only to each other, but to their neighbors. And that's what I was talking about when I was talking about the that persecution where they tried to to tar Christians with all the usual charges, and it just didn't work. And so at the point where um, Constantine is converted in 312, there's a, there, we don't have a census back then, so we don't know how many were actually Christians, but a number had become Christians by that point in the 4th century. And Christianity, in a sense really was conquering the world with this message of salvation in Jesus Christ. Yeah, we, we well, getting a little bit far afield, but we need to recapture the fact that it's, do, it's doing the same thing today. Jesus said the gates of hell, the defenses of hell, will not prevail against the church. I, I know, Dr. Dr. Strange, one of your, your particular interests, and, and you can develop that in itself for us for a moment, is what we often call Christ's active and passive obedience. And for our audience, you should define that. But how did that uh, aspect of, of Christ's life, how did that answer the, the, the deepest needs of human beings? Yeah. Well, of course, the deepest need, as, as we've gotten at here, is that we are sinners. And how can sinners come into the presence of a holy God. They need a righteousness. And because we're sinners, they need a righteousness that isn't their own. And that's exactly what the active and passive obedience of Jesus gets us. I think most 
people know that Christians believe that Jesus died for our sins. That's his passive obedience, that Christ went to the cross and took there the wrath of the Father that burned hot against us for our sins. Jesus took it for us. But he also lived the life that we should live but can't and don't live. Think of it this way. Imagine your child failing to clean his room. You say to your your child, you need to clean your room up, and he doesn't do so. And so you're going to discipline him for that. Maybe you say, no computer time for you tonight. But you don't just discipline him and take that computer time away. You still require him to clean his room. And so the fact that Jesus paid for our sins gives us a clean record, but we need a positive righteousness before God. So he doesn't just pay for our sins, he positively keeps the law for us. It's like if you owed the IRS money and you didn't pay it on time, they'll 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 penalize you. Well, when you go to pay it, you have to not only pay the penalty, you can't say to them, well, I paid the penalty, I guess I don't have to pay the tax. No, you have to pay the penalty and the tax. So the law has to be paid for when it's not kept, but then it has to be kept. And Jesus paid it all. He kept the law for us. And he paid for our not having kept it. Yeah, and there were no plea. There's no plea bargains with God either. No, nope. you hear these nope. ads for how you can bargain with the IRS to pay them exactly. less. Not so with the absolutely perfectly holy God. God doesn't grade on the curve. <laughs> From a professor. So, so how did how did the first century Roman world? I mean, well, we got some of it from the Bible, but but how did they respond to all this? Well, as I said, they responded in many ways with persecution, because there is what the Bible calls an offense of the cross, which is to say we don't like to be told that we're sinners and can't do anything to save ourselves, but we must trust in the one who has come to save us. But when God opens our eyes to see that truth, when we really realize how bad off we are, boy, We're happy for a rescuer. We're happy for a savior. And we're happy to live the rest of our lives seeking to be faithful to him. Let me just go back just a second to that act of obedience and say this for any of your listeners, maybe a little shameless promotion, but I've written a book on the development of that doctrine of the act of obedience, which I've written it up to the time of the Westminster Assembly in the 17th century. So I talk about it throughout the centuries of that church up to that point, looking at the importance of the fact that Christ kept the whole law for us. So that book will be coming out next year with Reformation Heritage books. So maybe your listeners can look for that. (laughs) Everybody's going to be interested in Mid-America Reformed Seminary now. Give us that contact information and how people can reach you. Well, that's, it's a great place to train for gospel ministries, uh, having some unique features in that regard. Check us out. You can reach us at www.midamerica.edu, all one word, midamerica.edu. The phone number would be 219-864-2400. 
219-864-2400. I'd be happy to talk to you. Check us out. Many thanks to Pastor Dr. Alan Strange for being my guest pastor on today's visit to the pastor's study. The world into which Christ came, it was darkness and blindness and groping, but Christ did come into the world in the fullness of time. God brought forth his only son, born of a woman made under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the adoption as children. And now the world really is totally different. We'll find out more in the next two broadcasts. But for now, are you in darkness? Are you groping? Are you trying to make sense of God and of a fallen world? Well, in this promised seed of Abraham, all the nations are to be blessed. Behold, we bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people in Christ. Yes, indeed, there's forgiveness of sins. He is the way to God. He is both life and light, and he is the truth. Come to him and believe him and follow him. He's the Lord. Once again, thanks to Pastor Dr. Alan Strange of Mid-America Reformed Seminary in Dyer, Indiana, for being my assistant pastor today. Check out the archives of past Visit to the Pastor's Study programs at sermonaudio.com where you'll find it at a visit to the pastor's study or on our own website, visitthepastorsstudy.org. I appreciate your feedback or your questions. You can email me, visitpastorbill at gmail.com. One word, visitpastorbill at gmail.com or 516-593-1507. That'll get you right to my study. Hey, remember, Sunday's the Lord's Day. Be sure to set apart time to worship the Lord in a church that is faithful to the Word of God. Remember, everyone needs a pastor. You've been listening to a special open forum edition of A Visit to the Pastor's Study, a ministry of Reformation Metro New York Incorporated and the Orthodox Presbyterian Churches of Metropolitan New York and Connecticut. For more information on the program, check out our website at www.visitthepastorstudy.org. That's www.visitthepastorstudy.org. Listen in next Saturday at 1 p.m. for another open forum edition of A visit to the pastor's study. Remember, everyone needs a pastor.